You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. We've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly on Facebook. And now this is our third season as the host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What is up, guys? Welcome into all of our first-time listeners. We really appreciate you guys checking out the show. And a special thank you to all of our loyal listeners checking us out again. And another thank you for everyone who shouted us out on Twitter, on social media, showing us that you know we were your favorite podcast to listen to on Spotify. That's always humbling and always makes us all feel really good over here. And we really appreciate that. But we have a really fun show for you guys today because, of course, it is Crossover Thursday. So today we are joining the Locked On Patriots podcast with Mike DeBate. And we're going to get into some things about this weekend's game like will Stephon Gilmore cover Keenan Allen for most of the game? Will he shadow him? Will the defense for the Patriots try to disguise looks and try to frustrate Justin Herbert and confuse him a little bit like we've seen from the Bills and the Dolphins? And also for the Patriots offense, are they just going to try to run the football right down the Chargers throats and much more? But we're going to start with the fact that Melvin Ingram, the Chargers defensive end, has been placed on injured reserve, likely ending his career with the Chargers, potentially, he cannot come back this season, so we'll get into that and also some comments from Anthony Lynn about the team probably not making the playoffs in 2020, but let's go ahead and get into it. The Los Angeles Chargers have placed Melvin Ingram on injured reserve for the second time, meaning that his season is now over. This is Daniel Wade with your Locked On Chargers lead story. On Wednesday, the Los Angeles Chargers placed star defensive end Melvin Ingram on injured reserve and that will end his season because although NFL teams are allowed to bring as many players as they want back from injured reserve, they can only bring the same player back once. So now that he's been put on there a second time, it has ended his season with the Chargers and now the question becomes, has it ended his career with the Chargers because now he is headed into unrestricted free agency in 2021 and it's unclear whether the Chargers want to bring him back right now or if they financially will be able to bring him back next season and when you look at Melvin Ingram's stats this year you're not going to be impressed I mean not a lot of tackles for him zero sacks on the season and I think he was probably playing with some sort of injury for most of that season but What Melvin Ingram has been able to do in his Chargers career is profound, especially when you consider the way that it started. Ingram was selected by the Chargers 18th overall in the 2012 draft, and over his first couple of seasons, he was injured a lot. He wasn't really performing. In his first three years, he only amassed six sacks, which is not a great number for a first-round edge rusher, 
But in year four, Melvin Ingram took a huge leap. And between 2015 and 2019, he produced 43 sacks. And now, if it was his last game with the Chargers, he will go down fourth all-time in franchise history with 49 career sacks with the team. So Melvin Ingram, a really, really good player. And I think he's always been an underrated run defender. I think he's always been an underrated leader for the Chargers. And I really do think they will miss his locker room presence and just the hype that he brings to the team. I mean, he's a guy that fills your team with energy and you can really use that, especially when you're going through a rough season like the Chargers are right now. And For Melvin Ingram, you have to feel terribly for him, given the fact that he's going into unrestricted free agency after this season and where he had zero sacks. And you also combine that with the fact that he'll be 32 years old by the time the next season starts in 2021. It doesn't really, I'm not really sure what kind of contract he is going to be looking for after this, but if he can get back to anything of what he was over the last couple of seasons with the Chargers. He will be a great addition for any team. So definitely wishing Melvin Ingram the best of luck moving forward if he does not come back to the Chargers because he really has turned his time in here into something that we've only seen from very few Chargers, especially from their pass rushers. But another thing I wanted to get into from Wednesday was Anthony Lynn in his press conference making kind of a strange statement to the media when he ended up saying the playoff hunt probably isn't going to happen at this point. Eight and eight is the best we can do. And I don't think that is going to be good enough. This is something that is pretty much common sense. Right now, there are two teams that are currently in position for a wild card spot in the playoffs yet to reach eight wins, but they're both very close. So at this point, since the best the Chargers can do is eight and eight, They're probably not going to make the playoffs this year, and that is all obvious. But that is not the messaging I believe that you should be giving towards your team, especially given the situation that Anthony Lynn is in where he is coaching for his job. He is coaching for a future with the Chargers. And by saying that there's really nothing else to play for this year, obviously besides you know money on the player's next contract or anything like that, I just don't think it's a great message to send to your team that they don't have a chance to make the playoffs. I think until you are mathematically eliminated, no matter how slim the odds are, you have to keep fighting for that. I mean, the Chargers had a season in which they started four and eight and then won the last four games, and then they ended up making the playoffs. Playoffs. Right now, they're sitting at 3-8 and eight and could potentially do the same thing, and that's probably not going to happen, but I was just surprised to see a coach in Anthony Lynn who is coaching for his job and needs these players to go out there each and every week and try to save his job at this point because of the disastrous games that have happened this season, especially games in which his clock management has been exposed to some degree. And, and for me, I think it's just a strange message to send the team that could potentially keep you employed as the Chargers head coach in 2021. But we do have two more segments to get into because it's time to get into our crossover show with the Locked On Patriots. We're going to be getting into whether Stephon Gilmore is going to shadow Keenan Allen and much more coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that I'm a guy that usually drinks a lot of energy drinks, or I should say I used to drink a lot of energy drinks, but now I know that's not great for me, and I've found a better option, and that is Built Go. 
from the creators of Built Bar. Built Go is bringing you a new energy supplement that is easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can take them with you on the go. You can put them in your briefcase. You can put them in your golf bag. You can even put them in your pocket. You're not going to be lugging around a monster can in your pocket all day. It's like a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body, and you're not going to get all those jittery feelings that you feel when you have some energy drinks. This is going to feel so much better and help you power through the wall at the end of your day. And there's three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. And right now, you guys, we have a special offer for you. They're doing a discount just for our listeners. If you guys visit BiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 20% off at BiltGo.com. Let's go. Patriots fans and Chargers fans, these two proud franchises are set to write their own L.A. story this Sunday, 425 p.m. Eastern, 125 p.m. Pacific. The New England Patriots invade SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Chargers in week 13 of the 2020 NFL season. It's crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Mike DeBate host of the Locked On Patriots podcast, and joining me is my friend and colleague, Dave Drogemeyer, host of Locked On Chargers. And Dave, it's always an honor and a privilege to join you on the microphone for these crossovers. Absolutely, man. I was going to say, I was t- talking to Daniel, one of my other co-hosts of Locked On Chargers, and I was saying Mike DeBate has one of the absolute best voices on the Locked On Podcast Network, so it is always a pleasure to talk a little bit of football with you. So I hope you uh, are doing well, and I hope your your Thanksgiving went well with family. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I did. I had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you and yours did the same. You guys do an amazing job with Locked On Chargers. I'm a huge fan simply for the reason that, first of all, you guys put on a great show, first and foremost. But second of all, I've got a little extra interest in the Chargers. I spent some time on the Chargers beat, as we've discussed in the past. So it's a franchise and a team that I do keep a close eye on, or a sharp eye, as I like to say. And you guys always do a great job. So it's my honor to join you here today on the pod for this crossover. I've had this one circled on my calendar for a while. And Dave, this one might not be the top of the conference juggernaut that it once was when both <laughs> Tom and Philip were the quarterbacking these two teams. Times are different, but these are still more than two capable football teams. Each, I believe, is better than their record indicates, and I think we're in for a great matchup on Sunday. But much like my New England Patriots, I'll tell you what, I'm going to defer until the second half. So let's start with the hometown team. We're going to put you on the hot seat first, buddy. And uh Where do we begin but Justin Herbert? Uh, Outstanding since replacing Tyrod Taylor went down with the injury in week two. He's thrown 23 touchdowns against only seven picks while completing better than 66% of his passes. Dave, those are impressive numbers for any quarterback. But when you factor in that he's a rookie, it makes it uh, slightly more impressive. And just kidding, folks. I assure you, I'm definitely a fan of Justin's. And uh, he's also passed for more than 3,000 yards. I think one of the main reasons why the Chargers currently own the second-best passing attack in football. This was to be Tyrod Taylor's team this year. And when we had our crossover earlier this year in anticipation of this uh, matchup, We talked a little bit about Tyrod Taylor and what he'd bring to the table, but now that Justin has apparently taken the reins of this team, in your opinion, how impressive has he been deeper than what just the stats tell us? How really has Justin Herbert made the Chargers his own? 
That's a great question, Mike. But I mean, I think when you look at Justin Herbert, I mean, you you knew all of the measurables was there. I mean, you saw all of that at Oregon. Six foot six, two hundred thirty seven pounds, can run. Very athletic, rocket arm, can throw it sixty yards, flat footed. I mean, all of that stuff was not up for debate. It was all you know. The question marks were the mental processing, how he you know handles pressure, and it seems like to me. Those two things uh, that were his biggest question marks are now two of his biggest successes. I think you look at his ability under pressure, he has a passer rating over 110 when he is being blitzed. So it is uh, incredibly impressive to see that he's been able to make the right decisions and he's been able to kind of champion his own development as well. I mean, he reached out to, you know, quarterbacks coach in the offseason. I've said that a couple of times on the crossovers, but I mean, some of the sometimes these guys take for granted the fact that they're you know an NFL quarterback or you know now they're a professional. But Justin Herbert did not do that. I mean, he knew that he had a couple of things that he needed to work on. To his credit, he did that. And for him, we all knew that he's very athletic and that he has the arm to match. But we didn't know if that stuff was going to manifest itself so soon against you know uh, against NFL uh, NFL caliber talent. So that was. Uh, That was the biggest question mark for me. I mean, the way he's able to face the blitz and he's able to go through progressions now, I mean, I think that really is the two biggest feathers in his cap as a professional. Absolutely, and you said it perfectly. I think, Justin, coming into a situation where he was expected to be able to learn a little bit, maybe hold the clipboard a little more this year, come into, ease into his role, knowing he was eventually going to be the starter, but being able to learn from a guy like Tyrod Taylor, who's very well-versed in an Anthony Lynn offense. We've seen them together in Buffalo. We know that Tyrod's a very good quarterback when he's able to do what he needs to do, but for Justin to step in and do it, heard Bill Belichick say on Wednesday, in his uh, press conference and his uh, meeting with the media that Justin Herbert was, quote, outstanding. And I have it on good authority that the Patriots spent a lot of time fawning over Justin Herbert and what he could possibly do in a Patriots uniform. Of course, the Chargers beat them to it. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine imagine Justin in a, uh, we have been, uh, in a a Patriots uh, union, you know, what he could do with Josh McDaniels and with Bill Belichick. But I think the Patriots landed on their feet a little bit with Cam Newton. I'm sure we'll get uh, to him in a minute. But uh, again, uh, my listeners have been rolling their eyes hearing me talk about the fact that I have spent time on the Chargers beat. I covered the Chargers once upon a time for Cover32.com. A lot of your listeners may not know that or may not remember that. But one of the great joys I had of being on the Chargers beat was to watch the emergence of two players in particular. Hunter Henry at the tight end position and Austin Eckler at running back. And these guys have really become key cogs in the offense that the Chargers run. I said yesterday on my show on Lockdown Patriots that these are two players in particular that I expect to present some matchup problems for the Patriots. But Hunter and just and um, and Austin are not the only offensive weapons that the Chargers have. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they form a pretty potent receiving tandem. Austin's been injured. Their running backs have still been effective in trying to run the ball. If you will, Dave, please enlighten my listeners on what makes this L.A. offense so diverse and so potent. So I think it's just the collection of talent. I mean, and really how they have picked certain players to really go out and do certain specific things. Like, obviously, you know, Keenan Allen, and I'm sure most of the people out there know how amazing of a route runner he is and how he can get open pretty much against any corner, and that's definitely going to be a matchup I am 
very much looking forward to watching is him against Stefan Gilmore. And yes, we will talk about Stefan Gilmore a little bit more. He is truly one of the best corners in the NFL, but it's because they have so many people that can do specific jobs. I mean, Keenan Allen gets open. He's a first down machine machine. Mike Williams is a jump ball monster, has an incredible uh, catch radius. He can pretty much out jump anybody. Um, you, you got Hunter Henry over the middle of the field. He's just very, a very sure handed uh, tight end. He's catches most passes that get thrown his way. And he's also a very good run blocker. He's just a very good football player for Hunter Henry. He's just, He's a guy that, you know, he's a complete tight end. You know, you don't lose anything. Most of the time, you know, you got a tight end that's kind of, you know, better suited for one skill set or another. But, I mean, to Hunter Henry's credit, he's very well-versed in both uh, avenues of the tight end position. And then you got a couple of guys that are just fast. I mean, that can just absolutely run. run, uh, And they can burn down the football field. And Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson. And they're pretty much their only... Their only job on this offense is to stretch the field. I mean, they both run four 340s. These guys can fly. So their job is to open things up for the underneath stuff for Mike Williams and for Keenan Allen to get open and to, for, and to eventually you know throw the big shot because they do. I mean, Jalen Guyton's stat line is pretty ridiculous. He has, I believe, four catches of 50-plus yards already, um, and that's just absolutely unheard of. But they have guys that do specific jobs on this offense, and – a, a big key that you talked about is Austin Eckler. Having Austin Eckler back is a huge win for the Chargers offense because not only is he a very efficient runner, he runs about five yards a carry, he's one of the better pass-catching running backs in the NFL. And, of course, with the Patriots, that's a huge part of their game plan and it has been for many years. So they know uh, how valuable a, a very good pass-catching running back can be. And to have Austin Eckler back, I think he just helps you know, the, be a key cog in that offensive machine to help keep things moving around. But the reason why this offense is so effective is because everybody kind of knows their job and they go out there and they execute their job with, you know, the exception of the offensive line. Absolutely. Such great. And I'm glad that you mentioned Eckler because he's a player that in practice, when I got a chance to cover him for the chargers really was one of those guys that, Again, folks, I really, I enjoyed my time on the Chargers beat. I'm not saying I didn't, but I'm New England born, I'm New England bred. I have a tendency to imagine players that I covet in a Patriots uniform, and Eckler was one of those because he's such a dual-threat runner. He can be dangerous on the ground, but he's one of the best receiving backs in the league. Like you said, he can be a favorite of Justin when he's pressured, and in my opinion, I think the Pats are going to need to put a legitimate cover guy on him in order to try to slow him down on Sunday. That's going to be a big problem. Hunter Henry, obviously, is going to be a big problem for the Patriots to be able to cover, and he's another guy I really enjoyed covering during my time uh, covering the Chargers. I think he might be the toughest cover in the game for the Patriots. Uh, Bill Belichick talked up Hunter tremendously when he spoke to the media on Wednesday. You know when Bill starts pulling out the fact that he played for Pulaski Academy and Kevin Kelly down in Arkansas. You know Belichick's done his homework on a guy, and you know he's got his eye on him and really, really respects his game. Bill uh, Belichick Patriots was are... effusive in his praise in the press conference. I mean, talking about several of the Chargers players, uh, I mean, I, I thought that was uh, kind of uncharacteristic. I mean, he usually doesn't you know, talk that much at the press conferences. It's usually pretty short answers. Isn't that right? Yeah, really short answers, but 600 words were transcribed with Belichick uh, making comments about the Chargers. And 
tell you, he does not throw that praise around haphazardly. Bill will say his requisite to try to give his opponent, uh, you sure. know, the respect that they deserve. You know, like we're playing a good team, they're good on right. offense, good on defense. <laughs> you know, special teams, we're going to need our best effort. That's how it is. Right. You know, playing a good team. He uses the word explosive a lot. Bill likes to do that. He, I think that's one of his favorite words. But when he is intricate in his details about teams, it usually indicates that he there's a lot for him to like there. And I think he sees a lot in this offense and even in the defense, which we're going to get to in just a moment with Joey Bosa calling him, quote, a one man wrecking crew, <laughs> uh, which, uh, you know, I really, I, that's that is hard and that's hard to argue. But uh, the Patriots have struggled to cover tight ends. That's why Hunter worries me in this game for the Pats. I think they're going to need a platoon of defensive backs to do the job properly. I think you may see Kyle Duggar mixed in, maybe Jawan Williams, maybe even a J.C. Jackson flanking him in coverage at times. So that's going to be interesting. But speaking of the defense, we'll talk about the defense of the Chargers. I think they're still a very formidable unit. Front seven has had its challenges stopping the run, if we're being honest. But Absolutely. they do have Linval Joseph up front. Uh, he's a veteran run stuffer, knows his you know his uh, position, plays it well. Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery in the front of the linebackers. Of course, you got Denzel Perryman there. Kenneth Murray, the uh, the rookie, a guy I had prognosticated that might be a good fit for the Patriots. Uh, you Shannon Wosu, obviously, he was out for Sunday's game against the Bills. Been a little banged up, but. The secondary, too, is something that I think has given a lot of or taken a lot of pressure off of that front seven. They've been excellent this season, 10th in the league, allowing 222.5 yards per game. Chris Harris is still one of the better cover corners in the league. Casey Hayward, solid um, guy I covered when I was there. Nasser Adderley, Rayshon Jenkins, Jaleel Day, they're very capable in the safety position. And again, of course, you've got Joey Bosa in that uh, uh, that edge rush. Uh, seven and a half sacks, I think, well on his way to, to probably amassing at least 10 or more, which it'll be the fourth or the fifth season that he's able to do that, which is just amazing. Dave, how might we expect to see the Chargers defense try to keep the Pats offense in check on Sunday? Yeah, so like I talked about earlier in the crossover, you know, the Patriots love to throw the ball to the running backs. And of course, with Cam Newton uh, at the helm, you, you got to always be aware of his ability as a runner. I mean, he is another running back for this team, and he actually has uh, almost twice as many rushing touchdowns as he has passing touchdowns this year. So that's the big key is to make sure to you want Cam Newton to try to beat you. I mean that and with his arm, not with not not with his legs because he's already proven throughout his NFL career that he can beat anybody with his legs. He is truly one of the best rushing quarterbacks in NFL history. I mean, I think the numbers back that up. But yeah, you want to make sure and, and key in on the running backs. James White, I mean, just an incredible player, very versatile, just torched the Chargers the last time they played them in, in the in the playoffs, which was ugly. Uh, Tom <laughs> Tom Brady had a field day against the Chargers uh, because they were playing zone, and, you know, of course, Tom Brady eats zone up for lunch. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be the key, big key for me is – do your absolute best to really key in on the running game because the the Patriots run the football more more, more than most teams in the NFL. So the the team the, the 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 goal here on the defensive side for the Chargers is to absolutely try to smother the running game and force Cam Newton to make the throws to beat you because this year he's already shown that when he is forced to throw the football, that's when Cam Newton is not at his best. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more in the second segment and some of the difficulties that Cam has had in the passing game and the reasons for that. Um, And that's something that I think the Patriots need to address this weekend, because I really again, I look at the Chargers with a three and eight record and I say they could easily have a winning record if some of the questionable decisions maybe uh, at the end of the games might have gone a different way. And that leads me quite nicely into my last question for you. And Dave, Anthony Lynn's performance in the head coaching seat has been under the microscope as of late. Uh, in fact, some have speculated that he might even be on the hot seat. I know you guys have been talking about this a lot this week on your pod. And when I covered the Chargers, I, I was covering the Chargers when he took the reins in 2017. There was a lot of optimism with Anthony Lynn coming in. Um, he's got a reputation as being a great offensive mind, but his situational decisions, again, in the clutch, have come under fire this year. In your opinion, at 3-8, and eight, is this just being chalked up to a tough year for Anthony, or might we be seeing the end of Anthony Lynn on the Chargers bench? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of built-in excuses that are out there for for the for this football team and for every football team. You know, quite frankly, with COVID, you know, affecting the fact that you know players have, did not have a full off-season program. They've had to go through all these protocols, and they've had to you know really be as malleable and and be able to adjust uh, as much as possible. But at the end of the day, I mean, this business is about winning football games, and Anthony Lynn right now has not been doing that good enough. In the last couple of years, the Chargers in one-score games are, I think, 3-16 and 16 or something uh, along those lines, which is just absolutely not getting it done. Now, there, the possibility I'm thinking here is, you know, we we had Daniel Popper of The Athletic on la- yesterday, and he talked about all those questionable game management decisions that, you know, you just brought up as well, and... You know, uh, that's a big factor in how the Chargers are losing these games. He says that Anthony Lynn is coaching not to lose uh, when you're supposed to coach to win. And that's the, the biggest thing for me. Now, the only uh, scenario I think where he doesn't lose his job uh, and at the end of the year is if they fire Gus Bradley first. Uh, and I think the reason that there's some pressure on Gus Bradley is because he hasn't shown an ability to adjust on the fly. And I mean, every coach out there, if you, if you want to be successful, you have to be able to adjust to your opponent. I mean, yeah, you want to dictate and you don't want to let your opponent dictate to you what you're, what you're going to do, but you still have to adjust. I mean, adjustments are a part of the game. And if you're not doing that, you got to have, you got to find a coach that is going to do those things. And Andy Lynn wants the defense to be more aggressive and, for Gus Bradley, his scheme is just not built that way. His scheme is to is built to limit the explosive plays and and uh, try to get pressure with four, which just doesn't has not been working. So that I think right now, Anthony Lynn's seat is very hot. I think Tom Telesco's seat is also getting quite warm. The Chargers general manager, <laughs> but I think Gus Bradley's seat is probably the hottest of them all. So uh, if if any, if Anthony Lynn does keep his job, it's because they let go of Gus Bradley. But honestly, I think the likeliest scenario at this point, if the Chargers lose a couple more games, I think they might clean house and get rid of everyone. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, sometimes good things come to an end in uh, Los Angeles. But there's a great 
core of young nucleus there that can really contend for many years to come. I think Los Angeles is on the cusp of something big, and I think you're seeing that, especially with Justin Herbert and some of the great young players that they have. Dave, I thank you. You've provided such a great amount of insight when it comes to the Chargers, current information when it comes to the Chargers. My listeners are tired of listening to me droning on and on about the the, the glory days when I covered the Chargers way back a few years ago. Uh, but this wouldn't exactly be a true crossover unless we flip the script and you put me on the hot seat. In just a moment, folks, Dave and I will talk about things from a Patriots perspective as these two teams prepare to do battle in Sunday in the City of Angels. More with Dave Grogemeyer of the Locked On Chargers podcast and me, Mike DeBate of the Locked On Patriots podcast when this crossover Thursday continues. All right, everybody, we are back with the crossover on Crossover Thursday. Of course, I am David Drogemeyer, Locked On Chargers. He is Mike DeBate, and you, of course, of Locked On Patriots, and you can find him on Twitter at MDABATEFPC. Make sure and hit him up on social media. He is a great follow. Any Patriots information that you need he is going to have you taken care of. But, hey, let's go ahead and get into some Patriots talk, okay? My uh, Chargers fan base, uh, I've you know I've talked to you offline. You know, the Chargers fans don't particularly care too much about the Patriots, but I think it's more just envy than anything else. I mean, we've seen them win so many championships and take the Chargers out of the playoffs so many times. It just It's a little bit hard. But, anyway, we're going to put that behind us and – you know, I think, you know, we'll start with this. Uh, do you think the game plan here for the Patriots is just going to be to run the ball down the Chargers' throat? In a way, I think you're probably going to see the Patriots try to do that. Look, they're predicated on being able to run the ball. It's what they do well. It's what they do best. And it's also the best way for them to be able to take a guy like Joey Bosa out of the game, or not really out of the game, because you never take Joey Bosa out of the game. You can try to neutralize or marginally disrupt, I guess, is the best way for me to put it, when you take a look at what they're able to do in terms of game planning. The Patriots will definitely attempt to run the ball. It begins and ends with Damian Harris. He's their lead dog. For the second straight game, though, he failed to reach the 50-yard mark, and that was against a banged-up Arizona front last Sunday. Teams are starting to stack the box and force the Patriots to adjust. I think you're going to see Los Angeles do that this week, but other than a few occasional quick hitters toward the edge, the Patriots haven't really been able to consistently get the ball on the ground and get a ground game on track. I think Damian Harris is going to have to have a big game. I think a guy like James White is going to have to have a big game third downs, watch him catch the ball out of the backfield, and I also look for Sony Michelle to get some touches in this. I know he's a hot-button player when it comes to the Patriots fan base. Not a whole lot of love for Sony this year uh, or even in previous years because Player, people have a tendency to think that he was either you know drafted too high or that he's a bust, he's always injured. But the last time these two teams played, you recall in the 2018 AFC Championship game, or the oh, divisional yeah. round, I should say, uh, Sony ran for over 120 yards, had three touchdowns. Now, I know it's a different circumstance, and I know they're different personnel, but Sony does know how to find seams against this team, and I think you're going to see him get a few touches. I don't expect that type of run from him, and I don't expect that type of yardage from Sony, but I think you're going to see him get in on the act. And if the Patriots do that with Harris, Michelle, and White playing well, that's their best option to be able to try to neutralize what uh, Los Angeles does well on offense, which is a lockdown secondary and a very good edge rush and even linebacking core that can get pressure on the quarterback. 
Well, kind of staying over here. Oh, oh, well, actually, excuse me. <clears throat> we'll go. Yeah, we'll, we'll stay on the offensive side here. I mean, the Patriots. Well, <laughs> excuse me. On the we're going to switch things over to the defense here for the Patriots. I mean, we saw the Dolphins and the Bills try to disguise their you know their their pressure and disguise what they're going to do on defense, and that kind of had some uh, some positive effect against Justin Herbert. Do you anticipate that the Patriots are going to try to do the same thing? Yeah, I think the Patriots are going to try to do essentially what they did with uh, Kyler Murray last week, creating pressure up front, making him uncomfortable throughout. Don't forget, Bill Belichick has a reputation of being able to make young quarterbacks uncomfortable in the pocket, give them looks that kind of disc- that uh, that really confuse them a little bit. I think you're going to see the Patriots try to throw a lot of zero blitz at Justin. I think Justin is going to be able to handle it a little bit better simply because I think the supporting cast that he's going to have around him is going to be a little bit more adept to being able to beat some of these guys in the Patriots secondary. DeAndre Hopkins, an excellent wide receiver, no question about it. But the Patriots were able to force Kyler into situations where he felt he had no chance but to hold, the, but to run the football. I think you're going to see the Patriots do that. Um, but they do. They have a lot of uh, holes right now where they're going to have to be able to plug. And we talked about this in the previous segment. The Chargers have a ton of weapons on offense. They can beat you through the ground with an Austin Eckler. They can put you know, Austin out and flex him out wide or even have him into a running back screen and have him catch the ball out of the backfield and go for big yardage. Uh, you can also count on Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, to be able to make pretty big catches. Hunter Henry at the tight end position is excellent at being able to make plays. So Patriots are going to have matchup problems this Sunday. One of the things that they may have to do is utilize that zero blitz try to confuse justin herbert and make him a little bit more uncomfortable in making some of those throws the patriots can do that defensively then they have a good shot at this uh, uh, on sunday but if they can't and justin starts picking his targets gonna be a long day for the patriots in los angeles this weekend yeah well i talked about stefan gilmore a little bit in the previous segment and because it's because i have tremendous respect for him and his and his game i mean he's just a a great corner And, and last week he shadowed deandre hopkins pretty much the entire game do you anticipate that he is going to shadow keenan allen in this one I would say yes, uh, based on the way he played last week. I think Stefan is definitely their best option to be able to shadow a guy like Keenan. And again, having covered Keenan in the past, his game is very similar to DeAndre. And it's not necessarily that I'm comparing the players like for like, but in terms of their impact on their offense, it's very similar. So to me, Stefan is going to be the guy that's going to draw that coverage. He held DeAndre Hopkins to 26 yards last week. I know DeAndre ended up getting 55. Few of those extra was when Therese Hall was dropped in into pass coverage. That's their middle linebacker, the guy that is kind of, uh, you know, been like a backup middle linebacker for the Patriots. Uh, he was on the practice squad just a few weeks ago. So having him cover one of the best wide receivers in the league is certainly not fair. I don't think you're going to see that again this week. I think <laughs> You'll see Stefan, uh, you know, garner a lot more of the lion's share of that simply because I think one game back he'll be feeling better. He'll have his legs back under him, and I really think he's starting to come into his own again. But don't be a bit surprised to see some switch-ups every now and then. J.C. Jackson likes to get a crack at the number one option, and he may get a crack at Keenan Allen a little bit this week. But I like J.C. on uh, Mike Williams. I think that's going to be a better matchup for the Patriots. But ultimately, yeah, Stephon Gilmore is going to draw the unenviable task of being able to shut down one of the best wide receivers in the league. Like I said before, definitely looking forward to watching that matchup all game long for sure. But switching to the offense for the Patriots, I mean, we got to talk about Cam Newton. And, I mean, 
for the Patriots, I mean, they were kind of looking to see who they were going to put out there at the quarterback position. And, you know, they didn't sign Cam till late. Um, but, you know, up to this point, do you think that Cam is in their future plans or are they looking to try to address the quarterback position another way? You know, I think the jury's still out on it, Dick. I know that sounds like a cop-out answer, but I think the Patriots really like what they have in terms of leadership, in terms of work ethic, in terms of fit with the organization, and I think they like Cam's skill set for the most part. Look, he's been enigmatic, I think, at, at a lot of points this year. Um, overall, he's looked good at times, and then there were times, like last Sunday, when he didn't look so good. 9 of 18, passing for 84 yards, two interceptions. Not going to get the job done. Took three sacks. He only rushed for 46 yards, and his quarterback rating was 23.6. That's simply not going to get it done in this league. But at the same time, you look a couple of weeks ago, and he's throwing for 350 yards, and he's looking like a very capable quarterback that can beat you on the ground and through the air. Um, Virtue lies in the middle, I like to say, and I think that's probably where it is with Cam right now. I think he's showing a lot of sound fundamentals. I think his footwork is something that is always a work in progress. Uh, There are times where his footwork has been very accurate. On Sunday, it happened to look terrible against the Cardinals. Um, But the thing that I really look at with Cam Newton and the area that he needs to improve the most in is holding on to the football a little bit too long. He's simply doing that far too long. And the Patriots really have to, or I should say he has to work on that in order for the Patriots to be effective and be able to uh, to do what, uh, what needs to be done. He's fixating downfield on balls he doesn't end up throwing. And in a lot of ways, sometimes that can work to your advantage, sometimes it doesn't. But if he doesn't end up pulling the trigger on those passes, I think you need to see Cam get a lot better pocket feel, uh, much better movement, and he's got to improve. So that way the pass rush that has been getting after him and causing sacks and bad decisions doesn't get into coverage. Chargers have one of the best in the league at getting after the quarterback and Joey Bosa. And if Cam's holding on to the ball like he did last week, an average of 5.1 seconds when he was taking his sacks, that's not going to get it done. Joey Bosa is going to eat that alive. So the Patriots have to work on getting the ball out quickly. If they do that, they've got a chance. As for long-term, it's going to really end up how he plays down the stretch. Uh, ultimately, I think the Patriots would like to make something work with Cam, but if he's not showing it consistently on a weekly basis from here on in to finish the season and maybe into a playoff run if the Patriots get lucky, uh, then they will look elsewhere next year. Well, I mean, I like to finish most of my crossovers by simply asking, what do you think is going to end up deciding this football game on Sunday? Ultimately, from a Patriots perspective, I, I think it comes back to Cam being able to get rid of the football, make quick decisions, and avoid turnovers. When the Patriots have avoided turnovers, they're a very difficult team to beat. When they turn the ball over or they're taking unnecessary sacks, giving short field to their opponents, it's become the kiss of death for the New England Patriots. So if the Pats are going to have any success this weekend, get the ball out quickly. They're going to have to get after the passer. Get some pass rush on Justin Herbert. Confuse him at the line of scrimmage. Throw some zero blitzes. If they can combine those two elements, I like the Patriots' chances in this one. But if either one of those struggles, the Chargers have more than enough weapons on both sides of the ball to make this one a one-sided affair on Sunday. So I'm going to shy away from giving my prediction. I do that on Fridays. But uh, I really, at this point, I I do. I like the Patriots slightly, but I think the Chargers are going to give them all they can handle in this game. I'll be looking forward to watching this game on Sunday. Mike debate, always a pleasure hooking up with you to get these crossovers done and best of luck to you and to the Patriots 
after Sunday. Absolutely. You as well, my friend. This is one I've looked forward to for a while. Keep up the great work. And again, everyone, thank you for tuning in today. Enjoy the game on Sunday. All right, well, that is going to wrap things up for today's show. A special thank you to Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots. Super informed, and it's always cool to hear the ties he has as someone that used to cover the Chargers as well. So I'm looking forward to this game this weekend. And tomorrow we will be getting into our keys for success for the Chargers going in against the Patriots and also get into our bold and game predictions. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. And once you subscribe, that's always the fastest and easiest way to get the show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow to get into our keys for success and predictions. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.